You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Five Star Zone with Rico Beard. Welcome to another edition of the Five Star Zone. Rico Beard. And privileged enough to have Harold Sheldon, the senior research manager at the Big Ten Network, the BTN. They're they're the big boys. They're the ones who showed us all the games this year. Harold, appreciate you having the time to come on the show to kind of break down this NCAA tournament with me. Uh, Thanks for having me on. I've been a big fan of the show and the pod. So thanks, uh, thanks again for having me on. I appreciate it. All right, well, let's just jump right into the Big Ten Got eight teams. Everybody thought it was going to be nine, including Joe Lenardi. Uh, I really was kind of shocked when I did not see Rutgers' name go up there. because I, th- I kind of thought once they defeated Michigan that they had enough to get in. But, uh, you know, Pico wasn't happy. He didn't – you know, he showed his feelings. He showed his emotions. He wasn't trying to hold back on anything. Um, with Rutgers not getting in, let's just talk about them real quick. I mean, how do you think this, this affects them and – I always laugh when I see, you know, these teams now go to the NIT. Is this just something that probably you just kind of go there, lose your first game and just get out because you really don't care? I feel like for some teams it's like that. You know, if you had a lot of expectations and you wind up you know, not getting where you need to be, you know, if you, you play some MAC team or America East team or whatever, you don't really feel like being there. As soon as you get any adversity, it's like, ah, you know what, forget about it. But the way that Pikel is and the way that Rutgers is, I could see them trying to use this as a motivational tactic and actually playing really hard and try to get some kind of hardware out of it, especially since they'll be the one seed. They'll probably host all the way through. You know, maybe their you know, consolation could be to get to that, that NIT Final Four right. in Vegas and, and try to do something with that. Oh, okay. So, oh, it's oh, it's not in New York this year. Yeah, I saw the Orleans Arena. I saw they moved it. Uh, I didn't know that until Sunday. So we we talked about them. You know, at Orleans, it's funny because I actually went to a tournament out there. Michigan State was playing in a tournament. Had no idea where it was at. It's it's a quaint little arena. It's not bad. It's it's off the strip. It's not so close to walk. You still got to take a cab or Uber or something like that. But it is close. And then you got Michigan playing tonight, Tuesday night against Toledo. Um, I honestly, I, I don't know. I don't know what the Michigan motivation is. It was a lot of question at first of whether or not they were even going to take the bid. I mean, North Carolina said no. Going up against Toledo, they've had a lot of close games against a lot of MAC teams this year, including losing to Central Michigan, which I still think is the game that kept them out of the tournament. I mean, if you're Jawan Howard, if you're those guys, are you? Do you already? If you're Jed Howard, are you already looking towards the NBA? Kobe Bufkin's name's already popping up on lists. Is it just like, yeah, let's just go out here, play this last game, and get this over with? Or do you think they they have motivation to try to get to Vegas? See, I feel like Michigan's is a little different than Rutgers just because they're used to being in the tournament, making runs. 
Um, like you said, Jed Howard might be thinking about the league. Buffkin might be thinking about the league. You know, who knows where Hunter Dickinson's mind is at. And so, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if you try to win a day, you know, get a home win. But after that, you know, if they happen to play Vanderbilt or something like that and they face a little adversity, it's like, eh, yeah, who, who really cares? I wouldn't be shocked if it wound up being that. Uh, and like you said, they've had some really close games with some MAC teams. You know, needed OT to beat Ohio. We talked about the Central Michigan loss, and so you know, I, obviously, we know Toledo is going to try to play really hard. You know, right. that's a chance to beat a Big Ten team, so you know they're going to bring it. So we'll see if Michigan does the same. And it's just funny as the senior research manager at the BTN, Harold. Have you ever seen a second half like the one that they had, where for 19 minutes you made one basket? Because it was just weird because we were all sitting around the TV gather like, man, when's the last time they scored? And they're like, and then this drought just kept going and going. And it was like, are they really going to go an entire half with just one basket? Anything close ever like like that ever happened before? It was funny because I was starting to look that stuff up in terms of like lowest field goal percentage in a Big Ten tournament game or lowest field goal percentage, you know, that Michigan's had, you know, last X amount of years. And of course, they got like three buckets in the last minute to like mess up all of that stuff I was looking <laughs> up. So I didn't uh, get a chance to fully dive in. But we were definitely looking at that and we were looking to see, you know, point total wise. And I think they had a game. You know, in the I think it was 34 when they scored against Wisconsin and Beeline's first year there in the Big Ten tournament. But other than that, everything was, you know, high 40s, low 50s as they're low. And they were bordering right at that level. All right. All right. Well, let's get to the main tournament, the big stage, March Madness taking place. Eight teams in there. Let's let's start what I would like to say from the bottom and work our way up to Purdue. And then I'll tell you about a little a bet that we have here at the station. But, you know, when you look at it, we'll go out to the Midwest. You got Penn State riding high. I mean, almost pulling this thing off against Purdue. Um, I think they showed the Achilles heel for Purdue. But, man, that the press and you look at what those guys do, especially with, with Pickett, you know, the first, you know, he's on the first team, Big Ten all, Big Ten team. I don't know if, you know, Texas A&M, really has seen a type of guard like that where he just backs it down and backs it down. Like in, in, in his heart, he's seven feet tall, right? but his body's not there. And he's, if you got, if you're a little point guard, if you're a little guard trying to guard him, I mean, good luck with that. Yeah, no doubt. Um, it's funny because when they were playing Northwestern earlier in the year, and we've seen Northwestern like double team everybody, anytime there was a big, they would try to post trap and they had to actually do that with a six, three guard because he's the one that's always in the post and they had to send a double to him. So it is weird just to kind of see, you know, a team like that where you got, you know, a bunch of shooters around them. You don't really have to play with a big, you know, you five out and you know, let Pickett kind of do his thing. I know A&M's played a team like Missouri, which shoots a lot of threes, but they haven't seen a guy like Pickett whose usage is so high where everything revolves around him. I am a little worried about Penn State just in terms of the legs. How will they be four games in four days? You know, playing on Thursday instead of Friday. At least the travel isn't too bad. But, you know, we saw with Iowa last year, you know, four games in four days. They go out, lay an egg in the first round. Couldn't make any shots. Uh, I'm definitely rooting for Penn State. I really like Michael Shrewsbury a lot. Um, and, you know, we'll see what happens. But, you know, Julius Marble, old friend of uh, Michigan yeah. State on that A&M team. And so, uh, you know, they're, they're – AM's a really weird team in terms of, you know, they get to the line a lot, but they foul a lot. 
they get a lot of offensive rebounds, but they don't defense rebound at all. They don't shoot the three well. Penn State shoots it really well. So it's really contrasting styles in that matchup. Speaking of Shrewsbury, I mean, I kind of feel like this may be his last arrive. Penn State, Notre Dame job open, Georgetown open. His name just keeps popping up. Penn State not really known to be that basketball school. Uh, you think they end up keeping him, or is this going to be his last go-round with this team? Well, it would be interesting because I know they got a new AD, and you know maybe his first move is, look, if you're going to leave, it's not going to be because of money. Like, we're going to make sure we take care of you. If you just want to leave, then that's fine. But, you know, we did everything we could to try to keep you. I know he is an Indiana guy, so I can see the appeal of Notre Dame pulling on him and obviously the, the history of Georgetown. But I feel like right now the way the athletics is, like, do you really want to leave the SEC or the Big Ten right now? That seems to be where all the money is. And, you know, the yeah, Big East true. isn't pumping that money out. And, you know, Notre Dame, for as great as it is, you know, they aren't pumping the money out you know, for basketball like they are in the SEC and the Big Ten. No, that's a good point. And then uh, we just stick with that. You know, you got Iowa taking on Auburn. Because the, the problem was with the with eight teams going in from the Big Ten, really, to me, two of them have a draw where you actually can think that they can make it to the Sweet 16 and beyond. The others are kind of, you know, fill-in games, I like to call them. You got Iowa-Auburn, the dreaded 8-9 matchup. Um you know, Iowa, I always want to believe in Iowa. Let's be honest. And then Iowa always disappoints me. Fran McCaffrey and that team, you go out there, you start bragging on them. Man, they can hit the threes, and they just – it's Brick City. They build you a house and a garage. No, nah, no doubt. Um, it's, it's interesting because you take – you put them in Iowa City, they look like the Warriors. You know, yes. they're running up and down. They're, shooting, they're scoring 90 a game. Everybody's shooting the three. And as soon as they get on the plane or on the bus, they're a totally different team. So I'm a little worried about them in this matchup. Um, you know, we've seen Iowa, I think they're averaging like 70 points away from, away from home, but averaging 90 at home. That three-point percentage is under 30% away from home as opposed to shooting 39% at the crib. And Auburn's a team that's going to defend you. You know, they, they guard really, really well. Not as fast. They don't play as fast as like the usual Bruce Pearl teams do. Uh, but they're really, really tough, you know, and they get to play in Birmingham, which is a couple hours away from campus. So, you know, they kind of get a little home court advantage somehow as a nine seed. I don't really like that matchup for Iowa. No, no, I got it because, uh, well, I mean, we'll get to that. MSU kind of had the same thing happen to them where they ended up playing a lot closer to home. So ticket with another another eight, nine game, Illinois, Arkansas, I, I, Illinois may have been one team in the Big Ten I never figured out the entire year. Just when I thought they were good, they were good. Just when I thought they were bad, they were bad. I, I really don't know what to, to make of this team and what Brad Underwood does with them. I know they're going to be tough. I know they're going to play. But I just don't really understand the style of play that Illinois will bring to the table. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for Illinois that bothers me the most is that they aren't a good three-point shooting team, and all they do is shoot threes. They got all this athleticism with Terrence Shannon. You got Coleman Hawkins, who, you know, pretty pretty good big. You know, Jaden Epps has been solid for them. But for whatever reason, they just want to shoot a lot of threes. And, I, you know, I just didn't understand it. You know, they shoot 31% as a team. You know, that's, you know, bottom 30 in the country. And they shoot, you know, 42% of their shots are threes. So, right. like, you might want to do something else 
if you're not making them, um, you know, it's kind of the opposite of Michigan State, and we can get to that a little later. Uh, yeah, because I, I thought Shannon was going to bring a lot more to this team, and he just never really lived up to the billing, I guess. Yeah, it was weird because he had flashes. Like you saw against UCLA early in the year, you know, he comes out, has a huge second half. You're like, oh, man, like Illinois, Terrence Shannon, like they might be really good. Or then you'll see the second half against Northwestern when they were down 20. He brought them all the way back and they win. So you see the flashes of brilliance, even in the Purdue game in the season finale, they're down 20 something at Mackey. They come all the way back to tie it and they can't pull it out. But then you see him against Penn State where they got all the size advantage in the world. They wind up losing because they're taking too many threes. And so, you know, I think your point is spot on where I couldn't figure him out. I don't know if Brad Underwood could figure him out. Yeah. And it was just one of those years for them. And now they play Arkansas team. has got a lot of experience. They've been the back-to-back elite eights. They'll defend you, but they've been up and down too. Like they were, you know, preseason top 10, top 15. A lot of a lot of things were expected from them. But for whatever reason, they've you know been on the skids as well. So it'll be one of those where I think both teams will play really fast and miss a lot of shots. And I could see it, you know, being kind of an ugly AAU kind of game. <laughs> you know what? I like the way you put that, an AAU type of game. So let's go to another 8-9 game. Let's go to Maryland and West Virginia. The Big Ten put a bunch of teams in, but, man, it's no world beaters out there. Maryland, I'll simply say this. If every game was played at the Xfinity Center, Maryland would be undefeated. They would be number one. But something happens the second they hit the airport at the Reagan or wherever, they, whichever port they leave at, and they just become pedestrian and just easy to beat. And I last time I checked, they don't get to play home games in the tournament. I don't really see Maryland going too far in this tournament because they just don't play well on the road. No, I'm with you. I mean, they were the first team in five years to go undefeated at home in conference play. And they won one road game the whole year. And it was at Minnesota, who was the worst team in the league. Right. So that just kind of goes to, to show your point. And then if you include the neutral sites, they're 5-11 and 11 away from home. It's just not going to get it done. Um, you know, we'll see. You know, West Virginia – that kind of team, Bob Huggins, they're going to press you. They're going to file you. Maryland wants to, you know, do the same. So a lot of free throws in this game because they're going to try – West Virginia's going to try to take your ball pretty much. And we'll just try to see if we're tougher than you and see if you submit. Now, Maryland's been pretty tough on their own. Uh, you know, they've been in the tournament with Dante Scott a couple of years ago. They As a 10 seed, they beat UConn. So they got a little experience there. Um, this should be an interesting matchup. I actually think if they got to Alabama – they could – I wouldn't say they would win the game, but I think the way they play would frustrate Alabama just because they want to play so slow. Right. They defend the three really well, and Alabama wants to run up and down to shoot a bunch of threes. So I just think that contrast would be interesting if they got yeah. there. It was funny. I know Alabama's the number one overall seed, but I do think that Alabama could be the first one seed to be sent home. Harold, the reason why I say that is during the year – Unfortunately, with the, with the Brandon Miller situation and then, you know, the team made, you know, killing the young lady. You now have a situation where they got asked a lot of questions and a lot of eyes were on them. And they struggled for two weeks. They were barely beaten and going to overtime against bad SEC teams. New set of reporters, new set of eyes, bigger stories are going to be written about them now in the tournament. Every time they move on, you know, that's going to be one of the main questions. I think that's going to wear on them. I don't know if they can handle that type of pressure. Now, now Miller showed me he could, but the rest of his team, I think they're going to kind of get sick of him, especially knowing 
dude, you about to leave us in a couple days anyway. Are you really, you know, are you really Bama or are you just here for yourself? Just that's one to keep an eye on. You're right. If Maryland can make it, that's one that wouldn't shock me if, if they actually went out there and upset Alabama, sent Alabama home in the first weekend because I, I think eventually the pressure gets to you. I saw it. I mean, it, I saw it here locally with, with the Michigan State team, and it's, it was one of the best teams Tom Izzo has ever had. But every game they kept asking about Larry Nasser and Larry Nasser and Larry Nasser. Now, most people know that team is a team that lost to Syracuse here at Little Caesars. But when you go back, they clinched the Big Ten like three weeks before the season was over. They were so dominant but they never got a chance to really celebrate and feel good about themselves because of all the controversy that went on. And I do think that that helped in, in, in ending their season early. It just eventually, it just, you just reached that breaking point. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, distractions at this time is the worst possible thing you could have. You want to be as locked in as possible. And I remember that Michigan State team too. I want to say like Miles Bridges had an incident in terms of, uh, supposed meal being paid for and all that he had to sit out for a game and you know it was that that same kind of thing where you just you're always dealing with distractions even though they aren't necessarily your fault questions keep getting asked you could tell it was wearing on Izzo Cassius had to be you know the voice of the team but everything was kind of closing in around them and you know if you get in a matchup where you're favored and for whatever reason you can't pull away shots coming up a little short pulling the string on some. So, yeah, if that happens with, you know, Alabama, I wouldn't be shocked. All right, let's go to another uh, 710, Northwestern, Boise State. I'm just, you know, what Northwestern was a surprise team. I didn't believe in them, and then they just kept winning, and then they kept winning. And they, I think they knocked off pretty much all the big boys in the Big Ten, and you're sitting there saying, wow, Boo Booey, Chase Audis really got this thing going. Chris Collins, I, I mean, Pete Nance Jr. leaves, goes to North Carolina, probably thinking, I got a natty locked up. He's at home. They're going to the tournament. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now, the tournament is a different animal and Northwestern doesn't have that much experience. Do you think they could carry this regular season, how well they did into the tournament? Uh, I think they can win a game. I think the UCLA matchup would be terrible for them if they got there. Uh, But I'm not a Mountain West guy at all. It seems like every time they get in, they get too many teams in to begin with, like outside of San Diego State. I don't really know if any of them are really that good. 
you know, between Utah State, Boise State, Nevada. I wasn't really sold on at least two of them getting in. I know uh, they've lost nine straight tournament games and are eight and 26 in the last 10 NCAA tournaments. So uh, I'll probably be fading the Mountain West if it was me. Uh, of course, I say that, and then the Mountain West winds up winning <laughs> like three out of four. But it's not always. Uh, but. Always. But I know they went 0-2 last year against the Big Ten. We saw Colorado State was a six playing Michigan, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm easily taking Michigan there. You know, same Wyoming losing to Indiana in the first four. Like, that was the easy one. Uh, so I'll, I'll be taking Northwestern in this. You know, I just think that the defense that they play will be able to keep them in the game. Uh, should be a, a low-scoring game because Boise State is really good defensively as well. You know, 14th in efficiency, you know, top 20 in defensive rebounding. Uh, and they shoot the three well as well, but they just haven't seen length that the that Northwestern has. And you know, keep an eye out for Brooks Barnheiser. He's been playing really well. Uh, Chase Audige has been struggling to shoot it, but he's stepped up for them offensively. And I could see it the game being close late. Boo Booey, who's been a Michigan State killer for a long time. I was about to say, all you got to do is just whisper. <laughs> hey, you know those the Spartans in a different uniform, and he goes out and drops forty points. Yeah, exactly. But at least he was doing it against Indiana and Purdue and Rutgers and a bunch right. of other teams. It wasn't just Michigan State this time. So I wouldn't yeah. be shocked if it was close. They'd get it to him late. Yeah, I felt so much better when somebody else got to feel his wrath. Speaking of Michigan State, Michigan State taking on USC. And Harold, about halfway through the selection show, I realized, I'm like, they could end up playing in Columbus because they hadn't named any Columbus regions yet. I was, and it, they they kind of get the benefit that Michigan had last year, even though they were higher seed, they were in Indianapolis, so you were able to get the home crowd. I've already known a lot of Michigan State fans saying, "Hey, they about to pack up and drive down to Columbus for the game on Friday, and hopefully the game on Sunday." You look at this USC team. Yeah, they're gonna be playing a game at about nine fifteen. Their body clocks are, it's gonna be really early. Michigan State, well, one of the hottest teams in the, the season. And then they got to play Ohio State, a team that they had just played five days beforehand. And, man, it just went down south. Uh, to me, it's very simple. When it comes to Michigan State, uh, it's two words. It's Tyson Walker. And when Tyson Walker wants to be the man, I don't think it's anybody in the Big Ten that's going to stop his shot, whether it's that step back three, he's driving to the basket, hitting ridiculous layups off the top of the glass. But it's almost like you got to push him to go out there and do that. He just it, – it's not in his DNA. And, you know, like I said, if A.J. Hogarth is leading you, you got problems at the end of the game. If Tyson Walker is leading you, you're probably winning that game. See, I do agree that they need Tyson at their best for them to advance as far as they need to advance. But I do think A.J. Hogarth is the key. For whatever reason, Tyson Walker, we've seen him in a Purdue game and he dropped 30. And we saw the Iowa, the second Iowa game, he went crazy. But they lost both of them because A.J. Hogarth didn't do what he was supposed to do. You know, missing free throws late, turn the ball over late. You know, Michigan State scored 106 points against Iowa. He made one field goal. Like, right. that's the kind of stuff you just can't have happen. It's, I mean, we know. All right. It's how, how about we split the difference? Yeah. I will simply say when well, he's, he's better when he's throwing the dives. When he's got six or more assists, yeah, he scores the points, but he finds the open people. He finds Joey out in the corner or Jaden Akins, and that leads to baskets. But when he feels the need, in my opinion, when he feels the need to put the team on his back, 
that's not his forte. When he's got everybody going and he's out there being like a little Denzel, then yes, that's the AJ that I want to see. But Tyson, yeah, I mean, with him and uh, I think it was him and Joey didn't, sh- I, I want to say a combined, they took 12 shots in that Ohio State game. Yeah, I mean, you, you're not beating, you know, anybody. You're not beating an eighth grade team if those two, because those are two of your main guys. Then yeah, no, I agree. And I think Jay Nakins also needs to take some more shots. Now, he, he actually took a decent amount against Ohio State, but I do feel like there's been way too many times where the best shooters on the team don't get enough shots. Right. And that, that's been a problem all year long. And I agree. I don't need A.J. Hogarth scoring 20 points. I just need him to run the team. I need him to listen to Izzo so we don't see these things on the sideline of him acting like he didn't want to be there, didn't want to listen, and wanted to do it his way. Yeah, he's at his best when he's coming off that pick and roll and he's going downhill and he can either get a layup or he can kick it out to Hauser or Walker or Aikens. That's when he's at his best, when he's getting like 12 points, seven assists. Like, that's what you need out of him. Um, but I do agree. Like, Walker kind of needs a, a Travis Trice, you know, yeah. 2015 style, you know, tournament for Michigan State to advance. Harold, it's funny you mentioned that because in doing the research, and I'm sure you you the senior research person at the Big Ten, the parallels between the 2015 team and this team, both teams lost 12 games. Both teams were inconsistent. Both teams were led by a three-guard backcourt and a power forward. Not necessarily – you didn't have that big man. Both teams were a seven-seed in the tournament. One ended up going to the Final Four. One, we got to wait to see. But, yeah – it's just kind of funny when I was like, wow, the similarities are just uncanny. You know, can they shake it off? Can they go that next step? Uh, you know, I, I do think that they should be able to, looking at the USC team, I mean, they, Michigan State's Achilles heel was the big man, an athletic big man, whether it was Zach Eady, whether it was Hunter Dickinson. They had a hard time with that. I looked at USC, one of the, the freshmen is injured, and the guy that they have, I mean, you know, basically, Maddie's probably will score more points than him, just to kind of put things in perspective. So they have all the advantages. You just kind of wonder, can they shake this thing off? Can Tom Izzo get out of the first round for the first time? And, you know, for the second time in five years. Yeah, I think I was very happy with this matchup because, like you said, the Achilles heel has been, you know, dealing, them dealing with a dominant offensive big, whether that's been Edie. Know, TJD, yeah. you know, we've seen, you know, even Philip Robracha from uh, Iowa was getting yeah. problems. And so the fact that USC, even though they're really tall, they don't go in the post like that. You know, they're the hub of that offense is actually like a six, nine forward who, who wants to pass and kind of be on the perimeter. And they got Boogie Ellis, the Memphis transfer. You know, he could score a bunch. You know, he averages about 19, shoots about 40 percent from three. But other than that, you know, they're really good two-point defensive team like they guard everything in the paint they block a lot of shots which is fine because we don't go down there anyway it's so right. you know this is a game where michigan state needs to shoot more threes the yeah. problem with them all year long has been that they're a top five to top ten three-point shooting team in the country but they don't take enough of them right you know they you know only a third of their shots are threes which which is ridiculous and the fact that you make 40 percent of them I would much rather take those than a lot of the long twos that we see, you know, Malik and Tyson and AJ take, like take a step back yeah. and get the three out of that instead of a two. 
Uh, yeah, speaking of Malik, man, as a senior, I don't think you got you could have afford to have another offer. You were over six. I mean, unfortunately, I'm not putting that loss on them, but man, they were down five. He had a wide open three and just airballed it. And I think at that point, not only did you feel the team just exhale, every Spartan fan was like, and that's it. We're done. Let's go warm up the car and head back home. And we leave in Chicago. So we'll see what happens with them. Now you got the two teams that I think could actually make a little bit of noise. You got Indiana. Starting off with Kent State out in the Midwest. Indiana was the four seed. You know, to me, you got to get more than just Trace. He can't be the only thing. and I, Because sometimes, Harold, it just looks like everybody's sitting around just watching Trace and saying, well, you know, you got to bail us out. You got to do everything. And, you know, now all of a sudden the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the freshman guard, it's starting yeah, to get, yeah, he's starting to really kick things in. But for a while, it was just, you know, it was tracing the tracets, and nobody else wanted to do anything. Yeah, it's true. Like you said, they need more out of the other guys. We got Hushafino playing well now. So now it's Miller Cop, can you make some shots? Trey Galloway, can you make some shots? Tamar Bates, can you make some shots? Tamar Bates, man, we saw in Bloomington when he played Michigan State, he couldn't miss. He was shooting it from everywhere. And then he would go games without doing anything. You know, did a little bit against uh, Maryland the other day in the Big Ten tournament and then disappeared after that. Um, I don't think they got a great matchup. I think they were overseeded to begin with. I think they should have been a five instead of a four. Like if you look at all the metrics and stuff like that, um, you know, a lot of the predictive stuff had them as like a team in the top 25, top 30, not necessarily in the top 20. So I feel like – they got overseeded, but they didn't get the best draw with Kent State. The fact that they're only favored by four as a four seed playing a 13 kind of you know raised my eyebrows a little bit there. Um, I think Kent State is a team, you know, obviously out of the MAC, uh, force a lot of turnovers. They they play really good defense from three, uh, but they do foul a lot. So it'll be up to the Trace and those guys if they can drive in and get fouled. They got to make their free throws. Uh, can Race Thompson hit some free throws? Whew, he tried to get that Michigan game away. I know that. Missed four you know straight what? on I senior think, day. I think if they thrown the ball to him, he would have ran up in the stands. He wanted nothing <laughs> to do with nothing. And I, I still, if I'm Michigan, I would be like, yeah, he. you could just see he missed that breakaway layup. It was mm-hmm. just like, Race, what are you? doing but yeah when it comes to indiana you're right when 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 mac teams go up against big 10 teams i always feel like you're gonna get their best shot because a lot of people in the mac feel like i should have been in the big 10 i can i'm just as good as the big 10 and it does you're right it just seems like whenever the mac and the big 10 play mac teams just want to really this is that this is their game that they're gonna go and they'll be telling their grandkids about i knocked off purdue or i beat this team so yeah, four and a half point spread does say, yeah, you may want to watch out for that game. And yeah, then, and then and they played some tough teams. Like they they lost at Houston by five. They lost at Gonzaga by seven. They lost at Charleston by two. These are all teams that, you know, won 30 plus games. Like they, they're battle tested too. Even though they're playing in the MAC, they tested themselves in non conference. So they're not going to be scared. And then you got Purdue. You got Matt Painter. You got the player of the year in Zach Eady. I've often said, I, I think that. The, the Big Ten kind of figured out Purdue. Their Achilles heel, if you press the guards, the guards, they're young and they hit their ceiling. 
They, they hit the wall, I should say. They hit that freshman wall, They and they were just turning the ball over left and right. But now you're out of the Big Ten, and you can do all of that, but nobody outside of the Big Ten has seen 7-4 dominance the way Zach Eady is. Where you, you could double-team him, you could triple-team him. I mean, it was just funny because Penn State was literally sending three to four people at him at once saying, anybody else can beat us. I don't know how you replicate that in practice if you're another team. I mean, it's almost like that State Farm commercial where you stood a couple people on top of each other's shoulders and put the fake mask on. Because other than that, you can't defend 7-4. So I think that's going to be the advantage that Matt Painter will have with Edie is he knows what to do with it down low. He gets it, and he can either pass it out or he just takes it. And if he sees the matchup is wrong, he'll go to the basket. And at that point, you got to decide whether you want to follow him or not. So I, I do think that Purdue can be one of those teams. I can see them at least getting to the Elite Eight. And then that's where it just becomes Matt Painter's Achilles heel. For some reason, the Final Four just does not love that man. Didn't love, doesn't love uh, Gene Cady either. I mean, they no, haven't been didn't. since 1980, you know, which is hard to believe for a team that's, you know, won the most Big Ten titles, regular season titles in any program. In fact, I, mean, I thought they were in with Carson Edwards in, in, in 2019. And then yep. I saw the ball do one of the strangest things I've ever seen before. And somehow I was like, game went to overtime and, and they lost. Like, how, how did this happen? But, yeah. Yeah, that definitely shouldn't happen. I remember watching that game, and they were playing in Louisville, so it was right down the street from West Lafayette. And, I mean, that place was rocking. It was a ton of Purdue people there. And, you know, Carson putting on a performance of the ages, you know, dropping 40, hitting threes off glass, and he was going crazy. And the fact that, you know, they didn't box out the shooter on a free throw and, <laughs> you know, ball goes all the way in the backcourt and they somehow wind up getting, you know, a short bucket out of it. Once they right. went to overtime, you kind of figure what was going to happen there. But um, in terms of Purdue, you're right that no one – I don't think you can replicate 7-4. Um, and he's really skilled and more yeah, athletic yeah. than you would think for someone to be that big. I think the biggest thing for them – and Maryland did a good job with this earlier in the year – you have to pressure their guards even when they're in the half court. You just yeah. have to get in their face just so they can't even get the ball into him. And there's been too many times in the Big Ten where the guards would just kind of let the Purdue guards get comfortable, get in their stuff. They could just bounce it right into them, and then they can go you know, run off screens or whatever. But Memphis is a team, if they play them in the second round, I think it could give them a ton of trouble because that's a lot of athletes. They want to play fast. You know, they got a lot of length, force a bunch of turnovers. You know, I think they force uh, turnovers on like 21% of opponents' possessions. And so if they get, they get up in Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer, like it could be a problem. And it's to the point we've seen Fletcher Lawyer basically get pulled during the Big Ten tournament. They've gone for more upperclassmen like David yeah. Jenkins, the Utah transfer, uh, you know, playing Mason Gillis a lot more too. So, you know, to your point about the freshman wall, I feel like they're not really waiting on lawyers. One of those. If you're playing well, great, we'll play you. But if you don't have it, you're going to sit over here and we're just going to figure it out for the next game if we advance. So, yeah, I think it's going to be on Braden Smith. He's going to have to figure out a way to to combat that because that's really the only point guard they have. If you put a lot of pressure on them, we, we saw in the Big Ten tournament how, how dicey it could get. All right. Uh, senior research manager, Harold Shelton. Harold at the Big Ten Network. Harold. I got two questions for you because I definitely want to get you back on next week after the dust settled. And now we're only down to 16 teams. Question number one, how many number one seeds make it to next week? Uh, I will say 
I'll say three. Three. Okay. You want to call your shot? I really like Memphis in that game. Okay. If that happens. Okay. If Purdue gets by them, I think they're fine, but I'm really worried about that game. Eight Big Ten teams in the tournament. How many are, are we talking about next week? Uh, I'll say three. Three. Okay. Once again, you want to call that shot? Because I, I had Purdue, but we're, we're taking the number one seed out. So. <laughs> I am um, dying to hear who are your three that's going to make it to next week. Um, I actually like Michigan State. I think what? that draw is really good for them. Um, like you said, the 2015 parallels are there. If they get by USC, Marquette doesn't have a dominant big either, and they want to play fast, and it's a guards game. And so, you know, I think the three guards that Michigan State has, along with the bigs that can shoot, I think that's a pretty good matchup for them. Um, I do think Indiana can get there. And I feel like there's going to be one upset somewhere. I haven't filled my bracket out yet, but okay. I feel like in terms of it being eight, I can see – three, but I think you'll get no more than three. All right, Harold, uh, clear your schedule. We're going to do this. We're going to run this back next week for the Sweet 16. Looking forward to it. A ton of knowledge, man. Unfortunately, I'm sorry I didn't have you on earlier, but I won't make that mistake again. (laughs) (laughs) It's all good. Life happens, man. I get it. I get it. You're going to be a fixture until uh, we cutting down net. So, and then I'll bring you back when uh, the hoop season starts back up again. Errol Sheldon, Senior Research Manager for the Big Ten Network. Kind enough to join us here on the Five Star Zone. Harold, until next week, we'll see. Errol said three, number one seeds. He called the shot, said Memphis taking out Purdue. Errol, we'll see if you're right, man. Appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.